On this episode of the Discover the Word podcast, we're going to be talking about spiritual formation and some spiritual formation practices. Have you heard that term before, spiritual formation? Our guest at the table for these discussions is a seminary professor of spiritual formation, Shalini Bennett, who describes why spiritual formation is such an important aspect of the Christian life. I am tied to it not as any kind of academic practice or understanding, but the work of God in my life in and upon me. And I think one of the most profound things that has happened to me in spiritual formation practices and conversations is the discovery of how much I am loved by God beyond my comprehension. That I don't get it right, but I am loved. So that has shaped and shifted me in so many ways. And so if what we'll talk about over the course of the next hour could help us take a step in that direction, wouldn't that be great? Help us discover more and more how much we are loved by God. I hope you'll pull a chair up to the table and be part of these conversations with Shalini Bennett about spiritual formation and some spiritual formation practices on this edition of the Discover the Word podcast. And welcome to Discover the Word, the small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries with Mark DeHaan, Lisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, Daniel Ryan Day, and Rasul Berry. And from time to time, we also ask guests to join us and walk through passages and subjects that are helpful to us in our walk with Christ. Well, in this episode, Elisa and Daniel and Rasul are going to be at the table with a friend named Shalini Bennett, who is going to walk through five spiritual formation practices with us. And she'll begin by talking about what is meant by spiritual formation and why it's so important. And then in each segment, she'll share with us one of these practices that can help us grow in love and dependence on God. I really think you'll find this a meaningful edition of the podcast. Now, Daniel is good friends with Shalini and her husband, Bayard. And so let's listen as he introduces her to the group. Y'all, we have an amazing opportunity today to hang out with someone that I have grown very affectionate toward, a leader in our church. But more than that, she's someone who you can bring your hard questions to, someone you can bring your doubts to and your struggles, Mm. and you feel seen and heard by God when you're done. And she probably hates that I just said that, (laughs) Um, but her name's Shalini. So Shalini, thank you so much for joining us Mm -hmm. today. Thank you so much. And what an introduction. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty cool, huh? Yes. So beautiful thing to say. Yeah. And it's heartfelt and meant. And you and I have ended up in a lot of conversations about things like that and specifically about spiritual formation, which we're excited to have you kind of lead us through some conversations about that this week. And if you would, before we jump into this, just give a little bit of a description of what spiritual formation is and how you're tied to it. Yeah, it's kind of a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so actually, our first conversation is going to be about what spiritual formation is. Oh, Mm. good. Okay. Um, Well, that makes it easier. (laughs) I am tied to it not as any kind of academic practice or understanding 
but the work of God in my life in and upon me. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most profound things that has happened to me in spiritual formation practices and conversations is the discovery of how big the log is in my eye (laughs) and how much I am loved by God beyond my comprehension. So the both and. The both and (laughs) that I cannot see, Mm. but I am loved. Mm. That I don't get it right but I am loved. (laughs) So that has shaped and shifted me (laughs) in so many ways. So I've been in lots of different places, but I would love to dive in Mm -hmm. to the conversation about what is spiritual formation. Let's do it. By starting with, what do you think of when you hear the words, you need to grow up? (laughs) (laughs) Having teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And what were you saying to them? What did you mean when you said, you need to grow up. Be responsible for your actions and there are consequences for mm-hmm. our choices. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> listing them off on my fingers yes, right now. I'm pretty yes. soon I'm start pointing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I think of it as really a critique of someone who has not mm-hmm. experienced the level of maturity mm-hmm. that is expected of them. Yeah. You need to grow up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that was serious. That... I don't want you to be my dad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that does make the conversation a little bigger because it depends on where we are in life mm. as to how we mean that, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. as frustrated as we might get with a child or a teenager and say they need to grow up, there's also a little bit of understanding that we bring that's like, but they kind of are also acting their age a little bit. Whereas when they get older and you have maybe a spouse that looks at you and says, you need to go. (laughs) Has that happened to you, Daniel? Hmm. I'm not answering that question. (laughs) (laughs) So what does maturity mean? What is maturity? I kind of go to scripture and I'm not trying to be cool, but I think about be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And one of the ways I've come to be able to swallow that <laughs> incredible <laughs> command is the, with the word maturity, mm. complete. And he's the one who makes us complete. But I mean, that's heavy, but that's yeah. kind of where I go. Yeah, I think of maturity as being willing to take responsibility for your actions and not blaming something else yes. or somebody else mm. for yes. it. That's good. It's like you wake up one day and you go, oh, this is my job mm. now. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I can't right. say mom didn't do it or dad. Like mm. and that to me is a, mm. a indication of like, okay, you're ready to own what it is that you're responsible for in life. Mm. Right. And I think in our culture very much, maturity is independence. Mm. Mm. <laughs> the ability to take responsibility for what you've done to make your decisions Mm -hmm. appropriately. And that's why it is so confusing to believers because for believers, maturity is growing in dependence Hmm. on God. Mm -hmm. It is not a growth in independence. Yeah, Mm. And I think that's where we get caught up. And as we grow in dependence, we need our Savior more desperately than we needed him before. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And I could see why you would phrase it that way. It's hard for us to get our minds around. Because when we think about like goals with raising kids, it's independence so that they can stand on their own. But what you're describing is the opposite of that, which is like 
seeing kids mature so that they would live in your house forever and depend on you. (laughs) (laughs) And to say, now I can't take a breath without you. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know, you wouldn't want that in a human relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. That would that would not be a healthy right. human relationship. Right. But this is what we're called to mm. in Christ. And someone would read Jeremiah 10, verse 23. I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Mm. And we really hate that. (laughs) (laughs) We want to think of scripture as instructions for good walking. Mm. I want to believe I can direct my steps like God is a la carte from the words here. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. That I walk rightly and say, God, you know, don't you like how I did that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We want to want God. We don't want to need him, Mm -hmm. to be unable to do this without him. Mm -hmm. And since Genesis 3, we've wanted the things of God without God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting way to say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a powerful pull in us. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we understand that. Mm -mm. How do you think that that manifests itself in us? Like, what does that look like to want the things of God, but not want dependence on God. Yeah, that means that I want to see scripture as a behavioral manual. Mm. And I tend to see myself as Jesus's favorite employee, (laughs) (laughs) right? With a company manual, working great stuff Mm. for the Atta Girl, because in Jesus Incorporated, I am the strategic vice president. Mm. Mm. <laughs> wow. That's convicting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but to be the baby girl, mm-hmm. the apple of his eye, the delight of his life, not because I got it right, mm. but because I'm his. Am mm-hmm. I getting it right is kind of irrelevant. Mm. I am just his. Mm. That's everything. And he is working a plan in the universe with his children far beyond my imagining. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly everything's shifting to God as the center of all this. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I like hanging out with you because I want to believe that is true. (laughs) But the way I live every day is as a doer, achiever, trying to keep God happy pressure on myself to like try to keep the status quo how it's supposed to be or win others over or whatever for the sake of the gospel and all that stuff but it ends up being a lot of performance and doing exactly as you're describing with like a manual and trying to be the star employee versus trusting that God actually desires to be with me or have me with him Yes. And we tend to fall into the thought that this is like cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. That spiritual formation is now, I know the truth, and that's going to transform me just because I know. by itself uh-huh. Uh-huh. without the power of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me of the, the film that came out a while ago, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. the person, <laughs> like... Yeah grew and the more they grew the the younger mm-hmm. they got started right? as an old guy started as an old yeah. guy and then you end up becoming like a baby mm-hmm. and then in some ways it feels like 
you're saying like the more we mature mm-hmm. in Christ, the more aware of our dependence on him mm-hmm. that we yes. get, not the more independent from him, the more I'm aware of the fact that I need you and the more I'm leaning into God more. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was having this conversation with my sister that maturity in Christ, I thought I was going to feel wise and smart <laughs> and like important. <laughs> and I actually feel more like Paddington the bear. <laughs> I've got crumbs and marmalade and I've got a sign around my neck please look after this bear (laughs) that's awesome but i'm me yeah and that's all i have to be and in the hands of god that is more than enough Mm -hmm. and i'm not worried about being something for you but i'm worried about being something for god but the thing is spiritual formation practices are the practices that still us before God Mm. so that he can whisper his love to us. Mm. And when you say practices, what are some of those just for someone who maybe is not familiar with even that term spiritual formation practices? Or are we going to talk about that as we go through the series? We're about to go right there. (laughs) So could someone read Matthew 18, verse 3? I got it. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, like Benjamin Button, you will never <laughs> or enter, or you will never <laughs> enter the kingdom of heaven. And then Psalm 131. Yeah. Oh Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. <laughs> Surely I have composed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. What a relief. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I constantly am involving myself in great matters that are too difficult for me. (laughs) Constantly. And I think I'm supposed to know all the answers and how to do it. And if I don't, I like I'm failing God. Yes. Mm -hmm. As if that, like, we, we just get very confused what is a weaned child? A weaned child is one that no longer needs milk from his mom. Right. So why would a weaned child be sitting on their mother's lap? Just to be present with mom. Yes. There's nothing. They're not getting anything from mom anymore right. other than just her presence. Right. Mm. But didn't you say that we're supposed to stay dependent on God? Wouldn't he rather us be a nursing child on him? <laughs> yes. All our lives? Yes, yeah. that's true. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, okay. I mean, no, we mm. do stay dependent. Okay. But in the practice here, this child is still dependent on their mother. Okay. Yeah. They're growing up. But they're not sitting Mm -hmm. frantic in this practice. A wean child is sitting in their mother's lap because that's just where they want to be. Mm. So the first practice I want to introduce to you is sitting silently Mm. and still in the presence of God, knowing you are loved. Now, this is really hard to do because we find it hard to believe we are loved that way. So if you struggle, first of all, to believe that you are loved, if there is any little person or creature that you have loved in your life, picture yourself holding that little person or that little animal or go borrow somebody else's little person (laughs) and sit with them and just delight in them and just hold them for the sheer pleasure of holding them. And picture the Lord holding you 
for the sheer delight of holding you. So this sounds easy. It's not. I suggest people light a candle to remind themselves they are in the presence of the living God, Mm -hmm. the light of the world. And maybe keep looking at that candle and breathe deeply and relax. Think about how great it feels when a baby slumps in your arms because they trust you. You are loved, you are held, you are known. And just breathe and try doing this. (laughs) A minute is even a long time. So think about how hurried and rushed we are that 60 seconds of this is hard. But try to work your way up to five minutes, 10 minutes. This is our birthright to sit with the creator of the universe, loved. Yeah, it may feel uncomfortable to do that, especially at first, but taking time to be with God, to be his little child, resting in his arms. As Shalini said, it's an important step in our spiritual growth and realizing our dependence upon him. And it's a practice I hope you'll try and work into your relationship with God. Well, you're listening to Discover the Word at the table with Elisa Morgan, Daniel Ryan Day, Rasul Berry, and our special guest this week, Shalini Bennett. Shalini is guiding us through some conversations about spiritual formation and some spiritual formation practices that can draw us closer into relationship with God. And so let me ask you a question. Do you read the Bible every day? Uh, Most days, occasionally, not really all that much. Well, in this next segment, Shalini will remind us that Scripture is one of the primary tools God uses to form us and shape us. And so one step would be reading it. But there's also another step, and that's allowing the Word of God to read us. And that's when spiritual formation happens. Well, we are studying spiritual formation practices, and this is Discover the Word. Mm-hmm. So, would someone read mm-hmm. Hebrews 4, verse 12? Sure, I'll do it. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So what do you think of when you hear that passage? Think of spending time with people like Bill and Elisa and Mart and Brian (laughs) and learning that the phrase word of God, we typically think of as the Bible, Mm -hmm. but throughout the scriptures, it often points to the message about Jesus first Mm -hmm. and foremost. And then also the point that in Hebrews, they didn't have the New Testament yet. And even what did the Old Testament look like? We don't know fully when they were writing this. So Mm -hmm. it would have been some collection of Old Testament that they were talking about as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like how the the message about Jesus is something that's living. So it's not just dead in the past, but something that speaks today. And sometimes the word of God is actually Jesus himself. You know, yep. John 1 is really talks about that. And so yes. when we read this passage, you know, I always want to go look at that word, word, <laughs> <laughs> and see what it really means. Is it the gospel, the redemptive power of the gospel that is living and active and sharper? Is it Jesus himself? Is it the Godhead? You know, and, and anyway, all of that to chew on what does that mean? 
But sharpness, like a two-edged sword, is a scary thing. So you put those things together, <laughs> and, yes. and it's, it can be a very difficult, a, a see-through-me kind of a passage. Nothing to hide there. You know, it's interesting you mentioned uh, that the sharpness, because I also see it as a good thing. Because when it starts talking about dividing between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, it makes me think of surgery. Yeah. And I don't want a blunt instrument. <laughs> I want that scalpel I, sharp. I want it yeah. super sharp. Yeah. But then also thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there's mm. something both inviting mm. and attractive about knowing that God can help me make sense of myself in ways that I can. But there's something also a bit disarming about that of like I'm exposed you know, because sometimes I don't want my thoughts and intentions. Are, <laughs> to mm-hmm. be known. So no it's like all of that is there when I read this. Yeah. Yes. And I think what becomes difficult for people sometimes is to think, how does this happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking spiritual formation practice. How does this happen? And surgery is such a great word because this is the word of God, God himself operating on you. So we are taught Hmm. to dissect the word, to be the operator Hmm. on the word. This is the word Hmm. operating on me. Yeah. Hmm. Yikes. And how on earth would we do that? Now, we are a very heady culture. Mm -hmm. We believe, bizarrely, that our intellect Hmm. is somehow king of the castle that I'm a brain on a stick (laughs) 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 and that my emotions and my gut are all inconvenient parts of me Mm. that need to be controlled by my master intellect. Mm. But in fact, we are a whole person, body, soul, mind, strength. Everything was made by God. And we are to let the Lord operate on all of us instead of letting my mind, my intellect, operate on Mm. my heart and gut, Mm. which is what we tend to do Mm -hmm. with scripture. Or Um, at least we try to do. I would say part (laughs) of the thing is it doesn't really work that way. Like anybody who does anything from budgeting to fitness and weight loss will tell you that the thing that changes us isn't just thinking, oh, look, if I eat less cake, then I will, you know, get my weight goals. It's the emotional connection that it is yes. with the decisions that we make. Mm-hmm. Same thing financially, impulse buys, all these things like it's connected so much deeper. So it really doesn't work, even though we like to pretend That's good. that we're logical. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we keep preaching to ourselves. Be more logical. Be more logical. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. The word is going to fix me. Right without bringing myself. Mm. And so how on earth do we do Mm. this? Because we're so trained to bring our intellect Mm. first and foremost. And some people make the mistake of saying, well, I need to kick my intellect off the bus. Mm. (laughs) Like that is not a good practice. (laughs) Do not kick your intellect (laughs) off the bus. But do not think your intellect is driving the bus. Yeah. Mm. Don't kick your emotions off the bus. Don't kick your gut off the bus. Let the Holy Spirit drive the bus. (laughs) (laughs) There's a thought. There's a thought. And Mm -hmm. bring all of you to this. Yeah. You know, a great example, I think, of that as I'm thinking about it, and it kind of ties into our last conversation about being a child, where we know logic doesn't work is when we have a kid who's like bawling their eyes out (laughs) because a balloon popped. Yeah. 
or because of something. Drop their ice cream cone. Right? Yeah. And what do we say to them? Like, get over it. It's just a da-da-da-da-da. Like, think through this. Your whole life's not dependent on a balloon, right? And that never works for mm-hmm. the child because they're like, yeah, but I wanted that balloon, <laughs> right? And then, right now. Or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and so... Yeah. Anyway, that's what comes to mind. Is no, that's that. a really good point that we're very conditioned mm. to believe that the right words will control our emotions. Right. Mm-hmm. And Christians particularly seem to, or certain tribes, <laughs> have a tendency yeah. to say your emotions will fall in line yep. if you just knew the right thing. Mm. Facts, faith, feelings. Yes, and I will say to you that the Hindu would say Mm. that if you cut off your desire and your emotions, that will bring you closer to God. Mm. So that should be terrifying to us. God nowhere asks for emotion to be cut off. Mm. In fact, he describes himself as Mm. love Mm -hmm. and commands that we are to love him. Mm. And so Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So desire is not a bad thing. Um, That's hard for us to believe, though, because we immediately think to ourselves of desires that are bad that we've had or something, or like ways that desires could disrupt our lives, or how do we know this desires from God and not just something that I want or something like that? Like yeah, all or of even those things. desires that he hasn't allowed, you know, when yeah. we desire mm-hmm. to be married, but we're single, we yes. desire to have a child. These are good things, yeah. but we're not pregnant. You know, we want to cut that off and we think that's obedience. Yes, because it's pain we don't know how to deal with and we don't want to be angry with God. Mm. And I'm terrified of being angry with God. So I will instead diminish myself Mm. instead of believing he wants all of me, even the parts I don't want. Mm -hmm. And I heard you talking about suffering Mm. and we don't know what to do with all those things and all those places and how to bring it all to the Lord God. We want to make all of scripture work in our intellect. Mm -hmm. So how do we go about an approach of engaging with the word, with all of who we are? This is one way of doing it. And it's a group activity I'm going to suggest. And it's something for people who know the scripture. This is not an activity for people who have not heard this before. It sounds simple, but it's not elementary. And that's taking a brief passage of scripture, like the one we just read, Psalm 131, Mm -hmm. and reading it slowly and letting people just sit and let the word wash over them. Don't try too hard to think. Mm. Don't try to figure out what it means. Just let the word be. Mm. And again, this is contrary to our training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm to let the word be and to let what is going to stick out, stick out, and then just let it rest instead of seizing it. So you would read it once slowly and pay attention. If any word stuck out to you, felt like it was highlighted to you, but don't try to grab it or figure that out. Ask the Lord Mm -hmm. to start revealing to you why Mm. that stood out. And in this practice, you would do this two or three times. Hmm. And each time, allow two minutes of silence between each reading. 
Two minutes does not sound like a long time. It is a long time. (laughs) If you haven't done this before, you'll need a clock in front of you because otherwise you're not able to wait five seconds before you want to say something again. And then at the end of it, take some time to just sit with the Lord and say, Lord, what would you say to me? What are you showing me? Mm. And then come back together and share with each other. And I say that you need to know the passages first. You need to know the testimony of Scripture because we do have a tendency to make things up mm-hmm. and is good to be with other believers and mature believers. Mm-hmm. I would not gather a group of 13-year-olds together and send them off. <laughs> yeah. You know, you might have someone who can do it at that age, but it's a simple but profound practice. And there are things we've been hiding from ourselves <laughs> mm-hmm. that the Lord surfaces. Yeah. yeah. One of the takeaways for me in you sharing that approach and that practice is that it reminds me that spiritual formation is not just something that happens between my ears, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. you know, paying attention to my body, mm-hmm. paying attention to my breathing, paying attention mm-hmm. to what I'm feeling even about mm-hmm. these things can help all make sense Mm -hmm. of how I'm engaging with that text. Yes. And sometimes you'll notice, I remember doing this in a group and it was the wedding at Cana. And I was finding myself going out of my mind with anger at the host who invited more people than they could feed. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, what what is the deal? Mm. I'm just seething. Mm -hmm. It's irresponsible. (laughs) And Jesus is there with all his disciples. Like, do you know these people? How did you invite them? Like, why are they invited? They're new. Like, and I was feeling really resentful about something Uh. that was a good thing I was doing, but the person had invited a lot more people Mm. (laughs) and essentially brought in more than what I had offered to do. Right. And I was resentful, but a good girl wouldn't be resentful. Mm. And denial is my demonic superpower. (laughs) So I had kept that from myself. But in hearing the word, Mm -hmm. that drifted to the top. Because it was sharp and it was piercing Mm -hmm. so that through the spirit, you could discern the thoughts and intentions of what's going on in you. Yes. And when we sit on the lap of God and rest and let his words come over us like a mother reading to a child... Mm -hmm. It's amazing how God can do that for us, too. Regular engagement with Scripture is a key part of our spiritual formation and our being shaped into someone who looks more and more like God our Father. We're talking about spiritual formation and some spiritual formation practices with our friend Shalini Bennett. And in the next segment... Uh, She's going to tell us a story of a time when real spiritual formation happened for her. Something happened when we stepped through the door that outraged me Hmm. beyond my ability to tell myself, be loving, be kind. Uh I am so angry that I shock myself. And so now my own sin has appalled me, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And what she discovered was a kind of surprising way, a really surprising way that God used a spiritual formation practice to show love and kindness that to her at that time was outside the realm of possibility. 
But before we get to that, here's a reminder about one of our resources here at Our Daily Bread Ministries that may help you with that last spiritual formation practice that Shalini talked about, and that is regular times of engagement with Scripture. Now, in that last segment, Shalini talked about the importance of reading Scripture and allowing it to operate on us and how we need to make room not only for us to read the Scriptures, but Take time to allow the Word of God to read us. It's one of the key spiritual disciplines to promote spiritual formation. And if you've ever tried to be regular at reading and reflecting on the Bible, you know how important it is to have a tool or guide to help you spend time in God's Word each day. Without that, we just end up being not as regular as we want. And so let me recommend that you use the classic Our Daily Bread devotional for your moments of quiet reflection each day on your relationship with God. It's completely free and available in a variety of convenient formats. Sign up to receive these daily devotionals in print, email, audio, or video when you subscribe online at odb.org. There's a subscribe tab that you can click on to sign up to get the Our Daily Bread devotional there at odb.org. And now back to our conversation with Shalini Bennett about another spiritual formation practice. And as we explore spiritual formation practices, we're going to look at praying without ceasing. Mm -hmm. Mm. Would someone read Matthew 20, verses 29 through 34? And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside, And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. The world seems to be getting noisier and noisier, (laughs) and the crowds seem to be pressing in on us more and more. But sometimes more than the crowd outside and the noise outside, the noise in my head (laughs) is pressing in on me, and my internal world feels noisier and noisier and more and more chaotic. So what do you do? When you feel like everything or everyone is pressing in on you and you are overwhelmed. Well, when I have the space to do this, uh, sometimes I just have to like get done whatever it is that's pressing. Mm -hmm. But what is best for me to do (laughs) is to disappear usually to one of my sacred spaces, whether it's a, a room or sitting on my dock or going into the woods or something and just breathing deeply and getting out of that. Yeah. This is going to sound really old, but it took me a long time to give myself permission for this. But I go lay down on my bed. Yeah. And I don't usually sleep. You know, sometimes I'll read a little something. Sometimes I'll zone out, you know, but I just need to stop. Yeah. And I, I can't stop very well sitting. I have to lay down. Yeah. That phrase, I can't stop very well, resonates with me. <laughs> because honestly, like in my natural reaction is just to like distract myself, like pick up my phone, play a game or do something to just take my mind away. 
But at my best, what I hope to be able to do is to um, really like lean into God, I need you lean into, you know, expressing what mm-hmm. is troubling my heart and my soul with God. That's me at the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is our default? Because I'm right there with you. Why is our default so often when there is noise and pressing in and all that to like fill it with more noise. Yeah. Right. Mm. Like that tends mm. to be our default. It's yeah. like, Oh, you know what I need is to watch a game. Right. <laughs> or right. right. No, we are very trained to divert, yeah. mm-hmm. to distract, to deny, to numb. Mm. These are all ways that we try to achieve the things of God without God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I believe I will find peace if I can numb my agitation. That's so mm. good. Mm-hmm. I believe I will exhibit the fruit of the Spirit by the work of my flesh <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if I distract myself. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you're in the midst of the crowd and you cannot leave mm. and they will not shut up? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to tell you this story of going to the home of people I love, but struggle with. And I've always been a good girl with them because they're hard. And something happened when we stepped through the door that outraged me Hmm. beyond my ability to tell myself, be a good girl, be a good girl. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't think that. Be loving, be kind. So now Uh I am so angry that I shock myself. I'm shocked at how much I want to hurt them, (laughs) how much I want to tell them they're horrible, terrible people, and they've always been this way. (laughs) And so now my own sin has appalled me, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what to do. Yeah. And typically we pull back from God. Yes. We separate. And I try Mm -hmm. to numb and shut down. Yeah. But I am beyond that. Uh I'm horrified by me. Okay. And my horror at me is now greater than my horror at them. Mm. But this is a beast I cannot Mm. tame. Mm. And years ago, a friend of mine had told me about this practice of praying, Jesus Christ, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner, over and over and over again as the backdrop of their mind. And I tried it and it was like, it does not work. I don't know why I'm doing this. (laughs) But at that moment, all I could do, Mm -hmm. I I am just horrified. (laughs) I can't tell myself to be good. (laughs) Yeah. I am saying, Jesus Christ, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I start saying it over and over and over and over again in my mind. And I'm hoping that I'll be a better person after I say this. And and I'm not. Like, the rage never goes (laughs) away. And I spent four days there, but I'm saying this Mm -hmm. 24-7, just so that I won't say (laughs) what I want to say. And at no point in this do I feel overwhelmed by love for them. (laughs) Do I feel any fruit of the Spirit? I don't actually know what I'm doing. But I do know in the past I've worked really hard to be a good girl to do the right thing. Now, I've even lost what the right thing is. I don't know. I'm moving Hmm. through a fog praying this. Hmm. So I don't know what I actually did. But when I left, 
They said to me with tears in their eyes that they had never felt so loved by me. Wow. They said they were so grateful for what I did, whatever I did. (sighs) This is the love of God. This is the love of God, not because I was good, (laughs) but because he is good. And something shifted in me between my own self-righteous goodness Mm -hmm. and the goodness of God. And my self-conscious goodness made them feel bad. The presence of God brought them love. That's fascinating. Yeah. And I think it's interesting when you first started sharing, you said the things that you expected to happen weren't happening or whatever. Maybe you didn't even know what to expect. And it just reminds me of how transactional we typically are Mm -hmm. with like even practices. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, if I say this (laughs) and I say it enough times, Uh eventually I'll be overwhelmed with love and experience that for them or whatever. And so it's a very transactional approach to God. And yet somehow God was able to not only meet them, but also dislodge the transactional part within you through that Mm -hmm. because you didn't get the transaction you were hoping for. And yet God showed love to them and like dislodged that or. Yes. Yes. Very much so. So the blind man, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) And I wanted to be a good girl. Mm -hmm. Like I'm hoping if I cry out to you, I will be a virtuous girl. Mm -hmm. I'll be good. (laughs) The fruit of the spirit is just going to be bubbling over all these terrible people. (laughs) 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 And instead he transformed me that I would not expect my own goodness, mm-hmm. but find him. It reminds me of in Romans 8, where it yes. talks about all of creation groaning in pain. Yes. You know, as the pains of childbirth, right? That reality of the brokenness of our world versus who we really want to be and who we are. And in the midst of that groaning in pain, the spirit intercedes with yes. words too deep to be expressed. And so somehow in that moment, God was working in, through, and around this simple prayer that we allow the Spirit to have access to us through that just, Lord, help me, have mercy on me. Mm -hmm. He's able to do beyond what we can even do Mm -hmm. or even know to do. Yes. You know, and it sounds like that's what this blind person, he's not even saying, heal me, like help me be able to see. Yeah. He just says, have mercy on me. And whatever that means, Jesus, yes. I'll take it. Yes. Which is a very different posture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the transactional posture, as you were saying, Daniel, this is what I want. It's a have mercy. And you're the only one who can define that, much less yes. implement it. And it's interesting, too, Jesus's response to them wasn't filling in the blanks but to ask them a question. Mm. What do you want me to do for you? Mm -hmm. But the fact that he looks at them and, I mean, it's Jesus. He could have been like, okay, I know what they want. I'll just heal their eyes. But by asking them that question, he invites Mm -hmm. them into the story with him. And then the fact that Jesus touches their eyes to heal. So there's like this very personal touch that Jesus gives when he could have done what he does in other places and just speak and it happens Mm -hmm. here. It's through pity or compassion. I would imagine that word could be translated as well, Mm -hmm. touches their eyes. And so what do you want me to do for you? Please let us see. 
And then this extra step of compassion of touching their eyes, which is pretty amazing. And then to just ask the question, does that mean God would ask me that question? And then show me the extra measure of compassion, which it kind of sounds like he did in this story yes. you're sharing. Yes, he did. But God's not thinking what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought if I saw them clearly and saw myself clear, so my vision mm-hmm. uh-huh. of what it is to see would mean my goodness. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But instead, what he gave me was his goodness. So back to Genesis 3, we're asked to turn to God for the things of God. We do not get them apart from God. And it's God's goodness coming through us. So this, in Mm. fact, is a posture of prayer of turning to God. So I was not focused on my sin. I was not focused on their sin. Mm -hmm. My entire posture was, God, I need you. Mm. And in some ways, that is a reversal of Genesis 3 that we get to live every time we pray. God, I need you first. I'm not going to solve this without you. (laughs) I'm not going to reach for something else. I need you and I don't have a plan B. So as we're exploring spiritual formation practices, this is one of the hardest things people struggle with, or maybe the thing I hated to do the most, which is pay attention to what is provoking you and bring it to the Lord. Mm. That's a tough word. Provoke? Provoking. You mean making me I think mad? Of, I think if of I, like bothering. Bothering? Yeah, what's really bothering me deep down? Or, okay. okay. Or even on the surface. So hmm. this is how we train ourselves. Okay. Somebody cuts you off on the road. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. You tell yourself, maybe they have an emergency. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Right? Yep. So we control are being provoked uh-huh. by making up a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so being, make up a story. That's being compassionate. <laughs> no, but in that case, like where you shouldn't have been provoked, mm-hmm. right? Because if they are taking their pregnant wife to the hospital, mm-hmm. you had no right to be angry. Right. Oh. So I have controlled my anger by shutting mm-hmm. it down mm-hmm. and saying it is not legitimate. Mm-hmm. And I made up stories about other people as if the only way to behave well was lies. All right. I'm going to throw another one in. Okay. Because that makes me think of this situation. You're talking to someone that you talk to often. And every time you leave, you just feel like, man, they only talk about themselves. (laughs) They never ask me how I'm doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you know enough of their story to be like, oh, but when they were a kid, they were treated this way. Yep. Yep. And And so I got to give that grace to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so what it does is exactly it delegitimizes the experience I'm having or the feelings I'm having because I feel unseen by them or not cared for or taken for granted. But I'm lessening what I think by trying to justify it away on their behalf. Yeah. Because we don't want to be behaving badly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because my immediate follow-up question is, and and that's wrong for you? <laughs> right. <laughs> and how is Feels that like wrong? I'm doing and I, and I guess what I'm hearing you say, because <laughs> obviously sometimes perspective or context could be helpful to take somebody yeah, yeah. else's point of view. But I think what I'm hearing you say is that on a deeper level, 
the issue is we struggle with or avoid dealing with the stuff that is Mm -hmm. boiling up inside of us and knowing what to do with it or even where to take it. Yes, yes. And that we make ourselves less Mm. in order to do this. Mm -hmm. Right. As if the world would be a better place. Without us. Without. Mm -hmm. Wow. If we weren't in the way. If we weren't in the way. Right. And that is not the gospel. (laughs) (laughs) That's really subtle. Yeah. And it's really tied up in, you've been using this a lot, being a good girl. It's really tied up in being a good Christian. It's very much, you know, I will become less that you would become more. Good as we are defining it. Yes. Yes. Which is not really... Like almost like good as in denying aspects of our humanity or who we are. Yes. As opposed to good in terms of making space for God to be greater in us. Yes. Hmm. And my diminishing myself will not make somebody else more whole. Mm -hmm. My diminishment of myself is not fruitful flourishing from the Lord. Mm -hmm. So would someone read Psalm 42 verse 5? I can do that. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. So somehow when I read that, and I've always read it this way. So Shalini, why are you cast down? Yeah, put your hope. Come (laughs) on. Why are you disquieted? (laughs) Shut up. Mm -hmm. Hope in God. I'm right there Mm -hmm. with you. (laughs) Um, Jesus loves you. Mm -hmm. Be a good girl. Get over it. Hashtag choose joy. (laughs) (laughs) Choose joy. That's right. So I am very prone to using the truth about God to shame and shut myself down. Mm -hmm. I call it bad Elisa. Yes. Yes. And it is of no use. (laughs) And this is really the evil one's work Mm -hmm. to use the word of God to be the accuser, to be the condemner. Mm. That the word is not God's love for you, but God's judgment mm-hmm. on you. Hmm. So as you can tell, and as I mentioned, I use denial as my way of editing myself, mm-hmm. uh, my demonic superpower. What are the ways you edit yourself? Hmm. You, you mentioned one, Daniel, that you tell yourself the other person's story. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't mm-hmm. feel this way because you've had a better life and people yeah. didn't pop your balloons when you were a kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, mine is I shame myself telling myself I'm too much. Mm. You know, I've, I talk too much or I interrupt. Oh, that's a big one. I interrupt too much. Mm. My thing, I, I'm always trying to get myself, you know, noticed and I don't need to. God doesn't want me to be that way. You know, just be quieter. Yeah. Right. I mean, I serve as my own judge jury and executioner Mm -hmm. yeah you know you're the problem you're the thing that needs to be fixed so even taking responsibility for other people's actions to me and somehow trying to find a way to blame myself for that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah what if as we hear people sharing we're like yeah i do that one yeah i do that one (laughs) is there only one (laughs) (laughs) right yeah because i mean i'm thinking of like as as we're talking it's just unearthing more and more Mm -hmm. within me of things that I do. Like sometimes I'll like go over the top in performance, Mm -hmm. right? Of like trying to do everything the right way. Mm -hmm. And I edit my tiredness or my doubt or my questions by having the right answer or by performing more. So it feels like there might be a lot of different ways I edit myself depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. Sure. Is that possible? Yes. (laughs) So, So we have ways we edit ourselves. 
and things we do when we're ashamed of what we're feeling. Hmm. I mean, so they're the yeah. feelings of just a continual, you're too much, you know, you're too Paddington, not everybody needs to take care of you. You can put your own mic on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are the things you do when you're ashamed of your feelings? Hmm. I think internally just beat myself up mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. thinking that thing or feeling mm-hmm. that way or something like that. Oh gosh, that. and it just gets so loud. I remember going and asking our pastoral staff for a specific role that I had put together on a piece of paper, like a proposal, you know, and I thought, this is something I think God wants me to bring to them. And they didn't really agree. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember my pastor walked me to the door and he said, now don't shame yourself for initiating this conversation. And I was just floored because it was like he read my mind. I mean, I was just like mm. battling, so, you know, doing yes. all that. And he read my mind. And I go back to it a lot. And um, Whenever I'm in a situation where I feel like I might be too much or I might have overstepped or whatever, I, th- I think about his words. Just because I acted doesn't mean I was bad. You know, just because yes. I asked doesn't mean I was bad. Yeah, I think that, you know, what you're kind of reminding me of is... That, that tendency we have to still try to justify ourselves to hmm. in our own minds and still think that the gospel offers the manual for us to be the employee of the month yeah. as opposed to recognizing that the idea and the goal of our goodness is imputed righteousness. It's what's been given to us mm-hmm. and it's who we are not how good we're behaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's still a struggle to go back to that place of mm. appreciating and recognizing that I'm loved, not because of what I do, but mm-hmm. because of who I am mm-hmm. in him. Yes. These practices are what helps keep bringing us mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Several years ago, my sister wrote a book and she's had a very hard life. And it's a book about suffering. It's about how God meets us in suffering and memoir. And as I was reading, and I've, I walk very closely with my sister, mm. but I was struck by how honestly she journals mm. and how much she poured out every bit of anger, resentment, bitterness, mm. things I don't want to say, mm-hmm. things I don't think it's okay to say. <laughs> and she poured it out to the Lord. And it suddenly hit me, I sometimes want people to look at me and think, oh, I want to be like her. And actually, maybe we should want people to look at us and think, I want her God. Mm-hmm. I want the God who can receive all this. Mm, yeah. He can let you say all these things. And this is transformative. Mm. The first practice is being aware when you're provoked that you went immediately to shut yourself down. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So staying with it, letting it mm-hmm. sit right. without your diversion, distraction, denial, shaming yep. technique. Mm-hmm. This is going to drive you crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but keep bringing it to the Lord and have that going over and over and let him surface things. Spend some time to let the Lord do the work and it's actually the practice of not managing your own righteousness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sitting with what provokes you and believing we are children of the living God. And there is nothing we can't say to our Father. 
and there is nothing we can't bring to him. And that is how this strange practice of sitting with what provokes us can be a spiritual formation practice that draws us into closer relationship with God. A great reminder from our guest, Shalini Bennett, who is sharing some practices to help move us forward in our spiritual formation. Well, one more 12 or so minute segment of this conversation will conclude our study on this episode of the podcast. And we will get to that after we take about 60 seconds to preview for you what the group will be doing in our next podcast. As we come up on another Easter celebration of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, Bill Crowder is going to lead Elisa Morgan and Marte Hahn and Rasul Berry in a series of conversations about how forgiveness is the story of Easter. Arguably the most important thing about the church is the work of Jesus on the cross to give us forgiveness of sins, right? And the last time I checked, there were like 15 different atonement theories as to how it works that because Christ died and rose again, I can be a child of God. Uh, So are you going to give us the right one? Well, (laughs) uh, no, actually, what I want us to do is try to avoid getting into the weeds of the mechanical parts of it and just celebrate together as we move toward Holy Week and the remembrance of Jesus's death and resurrection, the fact that he died and the fact that he rose again and the fact that he did it for us and that it makes an eternal difference in our lives. Yeah, celebrate with us in a study called Forgiveness, the story of Easter on the next Discover the Word podcast. And now let's listen as Shalini shares with Elisa and Daniel and Rasul one more spiritual formation practice, one that can help us delight in the Lord because he delights in us. So Elisa and Rasul, can you see why I was excited to spend some time? Yeah, Yeah. but you kind of have to roll up your sleeves and take some jumps (laughs) off cliffs and, you know, whatever, you know, other (laughs) metaphor you want to use because this was like challenging. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so thank you. How are you going to end it? How do we need to roll up our sleeves for this one? (laughs) And jump off cliffs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Lisa, you'll like this. We're going to end with delighting in the Lord. And just of the most beautiful place and the place we all want to live. But what does it mean to delight in the Lord? We hear that. What does this mean? Okay, I just have had this dawning recognition of my little dog who's a Jack Russell Terrier and if anybody knows them they just zoom everywhere all the time she's nine years old but I have just been watching her every morning she leaps out of bed same time six fifteen, leaps out of bed you know waits for me I put her collar on which is always a seasonal collar with a little decoration on it because that's what we do. Anyway, <laughs> and she just runs down the stairs and runs to the door and I put her little leash on. She runs out and does her business and runs back in, grabs her bone, runs to eat her food. I mean, I just look at her and I think she's like a toddler on Christmas yeah. morning. Every morning, every single morning, I don't care if it's snowing outside or raining outside or if it's December and it's freezing or it's July and it's hot. Every morning, she runs out of bed and runs into her day. And I think that looks like delight to me. Yes. That is a beautiful story. Thank you. (laughs) It is a cute story. You know, I think about love the Lord your God with all your heart, Mm. mind, soul, and strength. Mm. And that idea of just enjoying God Mm. and him being my greatest treasure, my greatest joy. Just Mm. 
seeing everything that I experienced through the lens of experiencing a deeper sense of him. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Think of gratitude and how when we say things that we're thankful for, recognizing those, how sometimes that wells up within us, like a gratitude or a, a delight mm. as well. Mm-hmm. And then I also think of, and I almost didn't want to share this because I don't want it to sound like it's a common occurrence. This is very, very rare for me. But there have been times where I'll be like sitting on my dock and I'll just like f- experience the joy of the Lord, mm-hmm. like a satisfaction or a, a just a presence of God with me. And that's so rare. I wish it was all the time. Um, but it's you that know it's sense him. of God mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. I'm going to read this passage using the contemporary Jewish Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's Proverbs 8. 30 through 31. And Proverbs 8, 22 to 31 is wisdom recounting God's creation of the world. Okay. So wisdom is kind of recounting Genesis 1. And the passage ends with this. I was with him as someone he could trust. For me, every day was pure delight as I played in his presence all the time, playing everywhere on his earth and delighting to be with mankind. And hmm. the contemporary Jewish Bible, um, the premise of this translation is that we don't catch the flavor of the Hebrew hmm. and the delight in the Hebrew. Hmm. And this word that's been translated as playing is translated as rejoicing mm. in the ESV and NIV. But it does mean to laugh hmm. or to play or to jest. So how does it surprise you as you think about, this is wisdom <laughs> playing. And yeah. so there's like this essence in which like everything that we do every day, and of course this is a more like playful experience, but like everything we do every day is within the presence of God. And as we delight in those experiences, at least in this context, it's like a sense in which we're, experiencing that presence of God as the thing in which is like empowering or opening the door for us to just be us and be who we are and do the things that we do. And that's like holy here or like worship or delighting as I think you're leading this to. Yeah. I think about play and Mm -hmm. you know, especially when you watch kids play, Mm -hmm. right. And Elise's dog. (laughs) Yeah. I want to see Elise's dog. Um, that there's like no greater form of just a sense of joy that you can see when kids are playing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's this invitation that, you know, we come to God like children and that we also Mm. recognize that sense of delight is that same sense of wonder, joy, imagination, and in a unique way of who we are. Because kids play according to like their personalities and what they like to enjoy doing and that God can be uniquely delightful Mm. for us as we think about even that aspect of each day being an opportunity to play. Yes. Mm. Yes. Hmm. And play requires trust too. Yeah. Because you're fully your silly self. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you're however you feel. You're not thinking about the audience. Mm. You're just experiencing delight. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about spiritual formation practices And a few years ago, I was trying to explore what Sabbath means. And I had always seen Sabbath as 
do holy and virtuous things. Mm-hmm. And that didn't feel very restful or delightful. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because I'm really just not that good. <laughs> <laughs> And as I explored what would be Sabbath, someone suggested that I start thinking about what things give me delight. Mm-hmm. You know, this says a lot about how I have programmed my own mind that I couldn't get to what makes me delighted. Mm. That I am so mm-hmm. much more aware of what diverts me mm-hmm. or distracts me or the responsibilities we have, mm-hmm. or something like that, the things we have to do. Right, right. Yeah. Because delight seems, well, irresponsible. It does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems true, very true. irresponsible. Yeah, yeah, even the word play is mm-hmm. like, well, when do I have time for that? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. would, that would require stopping my responsibilities to do play well, or something like that. Well, as we talked about maturity, it feels immature. Yeah. yeah. And like I'm being bad again. Here we go. <laughs> And I kept trying different things and kept saying inside, am I having fun? Mm. And I started asking, am I refreshed and restored when Mm. I do this? So I would do things feeling like, okay, Lord, we're here together. So I started thinking of it as like a play date with God. Mm. (laughs) I'm on a play date with God. That's good. Mm -hmm. So he's with me. So if I'm diverting and distracting, like, I don't want to feel like God is with me. You know, that's the right. first mm. thought. Like, God, you don't want to watch this show, do you? I didn't think so. <laughs> 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 or, right. or if it's numbing, you don't, it feels really uncomfortable to think you're with the Lord. Even if you're not feeling a judgmental, this is a play date and mm-hmm. I get to decide mm. what wired me exactly as I am Oh, I'm handmade by God. Mm. So he knows what brings me delight. It's I who don't. (laughs) It's I who don't know. He knows me better than I know myself. And so as I find delight, and I ended up finding drawing and doing all kinds, like (laughs) I got a set of colored pencils, 125 artists' colors, and I just doodled with them on a page. And I would like color the color, put it in a little block, and then write the name of the color in cursive. Like this is a pointless activity. <laughs> this does nothing for anybody. The world is not a better place that I've done it. I can't use it for anybody. Nobody even understands why this made me so excited and why burnt wow. umber made me happy. <laughs> but it did. And it was just me. And this was honoring my creator. And as I let myself find delight in the presence of God and find what brings me joy just because I'm me, Mm -hmm. I find myself overwhelmed by his love. Mm -hmm. Overwhelmed that I was made exactly for him. as me, not like anybody else. Mm. And I find myself taking more delight in other people. Mm. Mm. I want to know what makes you delighted. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued by your dog with seasonal (laughs) colors. I barely can get my front door with seasonal (laughs) colors. I didn't say decorate my door, just my dog. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And it makes me want to press in to what has delighted you. Mm. Mm -hmm. And how that is revealing the love of God. Mm. 
And here's the most beautiful thing. Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. Mm. Like this isn't a just, oh, when you feel good about yourself. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And Adam and Eve are made on the sixth day. God rests on the seventh day. Adam and Eve have not done a thing. They're not resting from their work. They are resting with God before they work, before they do anything. They are delighted. They are experiencing God's Sabbath before they experience their work. Mm. Yeah, I think about in Hebrews chapter four, it says, and yet his works have been finished since Mm. the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall not enter my rest. So the rest is there. Like God has given it to us, but we have to make the choice and we can make the choice not to enter Mm -hmm. into the rest of God. Yes. And how tragic is that? Yeah. And how lack of formation. So like it's almost like formed into what? Because anytime (laughs) you think about formation, it's forming into something. Yes. Well, part of what sounds like what you're saying is being spiritually formed is being formed to be like God. Yes. Who rests. Yes. And delights. And And delights. And delights. And And Hebrews 4 says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden Harden your heart. Mm -hmm. And to harden your heart, you're saying, okay, I got to soldier on. I got to grip my teeth. I got to keep moving. I got to be righteous myself. I've Mm got to be righteous myself. I got to do the things of God without God and on my terms and present myself as his number one employee. (laughs) This is not the gospel. This is not the gospel. And I can see why you started with Psalm 131, because all of these require that trust of a weaned child on the lap of God. All of them require a satisfaction, a contentment, a joy, a trust, a peacefulness that could only come in God's presence with him speaking his words over us, with him revealing those broken places in us to be that safe place we can bring our junk to him and he hears it in the same way a loving father would want to hear what's going on with his kids and in the same way that a loving father wants to play with his kids whenever he has the chance we have a god who also wants to play with us it's pretty cool yeah spiritual formation a practical series of conversations that has included some challenging but helpful practices that can point us in that direction of growth and maturing in our walk with Christ. You're listening to Discover the Word, and I hope these conversations have helped you to get a better understanding of how God is shaping each one of us into the person he made us to be. Lisa Morgan, Daniel Ryan Day, Rasul Berry, and our guest and friend Shalini Bennett have been your study partners for these conversations. Now, Discover the Word is a small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in which we invite you to walk with us through topics and passages that inform the way we read the scriptures, challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ, and always point us to discover Jesus in the pages of the Bible. And you know, we are grateful to have friends like you joining us for these conversations. We keep an empty chair at the table to remind us that you are a key member of this group. And we're also grateful for our supportive friends who make this ministry possible through their financial giving. Discover the Word is free for anyone to listen to, but producing and distributing these studies does, of course, come with expense. And so your gift today, no matter the size, 
would help us to continue making the life-changing story and wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to people all around the world. You can give when you go online to discovertheword.org. Click on the Donate tab that's up at the top of the page. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Brian Hedinga. Discover the Word is provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries.